Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Let me encourage you to turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 8. And as you're turning in your Bibles here in the sanctuary, I want to invite you who are worshiping in the Family Life Center, uh, the rest of our church family, to turn with us as well. And to all those tuning in online. And as you're finding your way to Leviticus chapter 8, we're going to get to the text in just a moment. But I feel compelled, as if the Lord is calling me to say something unscripted. I know that's hard to believe I would ever do that. I know. But I'm just mindful of something. I'm just paying attention in worship here. And we just... So in the Family Life Center, here in the sanctuary, we just sang uh, or heard a song uh, based on the 23rd Psalm. Uh, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear uh, no evil. And I know that you sang uh, just a little while ago, So Will I, a song, gorgeous song that uh, speaks of all the rhythms of creation bowing and bending in their own way before the one who made them. And so if all creation sings, then so will I. And I'm just aware today that there are some in our church family um, who are acutely aware that you are a part of a creational rhythm that has all of its strengths and all of its weaknesses and vulnerabilities. There are many in our church family who are struggling with um, bad news, disease, sicknesses, um, divorces. Many of you are struggling with uh, transitions, even if on the surface they seem like happy transitions. They're change all uh, nonetheless. And it can feel as if you are walking through a dark and shadowed valley. And I just think it's worth a prayer. That we lift up one another for a moment and seek the Lord's grace before we go to the word. Let's bow together. In this moment, if you are feeling the weight of something upon you, I just ask you to breathe deeply for a moment. To exhale and with every breath, exhale every fear, every uncertainty, Every bit that you don't know and that you um, uh, are afraid of, exhale all of it before the Lord and allow yourself to simply breathe in. And with every deep breath, breathe in the, the breath that gave you life in the first place. Good and loving God, as we worship you now, We recognize that you are the giver of every breath. You are the one who calibrates every heartbeat and you count every hair on our heads. You know when we walk to the crest of mountains and you know when we feel buried in the shadowed valley and you have refused 
to leave us thus far. So we pray that you would breathe with us even as we worship you and give strength to the weak. Give some resilient hope to those who are afraid. And shore up faith for those who cannot see but want to believe. We pray these things in complete, implicit trust. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now before we get to the text this morning in Leviticus chapter 8, I want you to know, if you don't already know, that in London, England, there is a mass transit system there known as the Underground. They call the Underground the Underground because its parts are underground. Clever people, these Brits. They also call it the Tube. And there are places along the tube, the, the underground, the mass transit system, there are places where it's interesting. You've got to watch yourself. Because when you get off of the train that's carrying you and you, you step onto the platform leading to wherever you're going, there is in places, in the older parts of the tube, there, there's a space, there's this like this open separation, or you might even call it a gap. And everywhere you look, because it's precarious, it's dangerous, it's, you're vulnerable stepping over the, the gap. Everywhere you look, there are signs on the wall and, and on the ground it's painted and, and even audio messages overhead reminding you to do one thing. Mind the gap. Take a peek at about uh, 10 seconds of this morning. Isn't his voice soothing? It's just comforting. Mind the gap. It's even become more than just a, a public safety warning. It's become something of a brand. You can get a Mind the Gap t-shirt. If you're looking for a Christmas gift, you know, shop early. Mind the Gap. And I am mindful of the Mind the Gap warning. Because today I am thinking about the various gaps between us. Because there are wedges, separations, gaps between human beings and God and certainly between human beings and human beings. So he, he did a thing and it hurt you. Maybe he did something or said something and it left um, a, a scar, left a wound in you. And now every time that you think about him and every time you, you see him or somebody mentions his name, you, you can't help but think about this thing, this separation, this wedge, this gap between you. 
Or maybe you used to be friends with this family and, and used to do everything together, but then in the recent months, in this heightened and, and emotionally charged political season that we have found ourselves in the last several months, people have just lost their minds, haven't we? And so the people that you have loved, you look and you see them posting things and tweeting things and you can't for the life of you imagine who in their right mind would think that way. And now every time you think of them and every time you hear them, every time they call up and say, hey, do you want to you go? You find a reason not to. And even if you see them at work or you see them at the ballpark or even if you see them at church, you cannot see them without being mindful of this thing, this wedge, the separation you know about the gap. And some of us, maybe the most sinister gap is not one that we share between each other, but maybe you know that you've done a thing or said a thing, or maybe you've left something undone and unsaid, and it's created a wedge between you and the one who made you. And at night you wake up and it's 2 a.m. And it's just you and the ceiling fan. And you are aware that the only ones paying attention in that moment is you and the one who made you. And you are aware of this distance, this separation, a kind of gap. And it occurs to me that what we need among us are those who would somehow help us to mind the gap. If we had those who were walking among us, who were able to acknowledge, point to the separation, observe the, the obstacle between us, mind the gap, and it might, it might result in lives that are whole and connected and not disconnected and vulnerable. In Leviticus, we call those people priests. In Leviticus, a whole group of people are set aside with one specific task. To be mindful of the gap between people and God and between people and people and their exclusive vocation, everything that they were meant to do in life was to help bridge the barrier, cross over the space, mind the gap. And I just want to suggest that if there were ever a time when we need a few priests in the world, and I'm not talking about people who work for a religion. I'm not talking about pastors or, or people who work for an institutional faith who wear robes and, and collars. Those are fine too. I'm talking about the priestly. We need the priestly who are able to somehow walk among us and recognize the gaps that separate and somehow bring about the good news that the gap can be crossed. That's what I want to talk about for just a moment today. Because there are priests walking among us. There are the priestly who pay attention and mind the gap. So today I want to talk to you just about uh, three things. The first thing I want to talk to you about is the lie of separation. And then I want to talk about dressing for the occasion. 
And then I want to talk about a priesthood of the least likely. I want to talk about the lie of separation, dressing for the occasion, and a priesthood of the least likely. So first, the lie of separation. A little bit of a review. So here we are in the book of Leviticus, and we're about to open up the text and read it in a moment, but you need to remember that this book, this ancient primitive book, a priestly manual of instructions, opens up with the most glorious, inviting, beautiful word in all the pages of Hebrew scripture, Vaikra. The very first word of the book, God calls out as if to herald through the cosmos. And the echoes of his voice find their way to a band of ex-slaves who are scattered and and in chaos and and in need of ordering life rightly. And he calls out Vaikra, which means draw near. And the book opens up as an invitation to draw near to God. But I want today for us to focus on the reality that the God who's introduced in Leviticus the one who calls us to draw near, is not just saying, hey, gather around, huddle up. He's calling us to step over the thresholds that have separated us from God in our past. Vaikra calling all of us to step across the threshold. So you remember the first seven chapters of the book of Leviticus. We've done seven thus far. The first seven chapters, I know you just want more and more of it. You can't get enough of this good stuff, right? But the first seven chapters are devoted, watch this. They're devoted to giving people practices, rituals, rhythms, routines, to help them mind the gap. The first seven chapters of this book describe five offerings, three of which are voluntary, two of which are mandatory, but they're going to need somebody to show them how to perform these rituals, and that's where the priests come in. So today we are actually, I want you to know, beginning a brand new section of the book of Leviticus. The first section is about the offerings. How do you cross over the separating threshold? But the second section of Leviticus, chapters 8, 9, and 10, are about the priests. Those who are threshold people. And these threshold people are the ones who will help point to the gap and say, mind the gap as they carry you from one realm of the secular into a new realm of the holy presence of God. So the scriptures begin in verse 1 of chapter 8, and we hear these words. The Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron and his sons, their garments, the anointing oil, the bull for the sin offering, the two rams, and the basket containing bread made without yeast, And gather the entire assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the assembly gathered at the entrance to the tent of meeting. What's about to happen? They're about to have an ordination. They're about to set apart a whole group of individuals. Who will devote themselves to becoming minders of the gap. 
And as we pay attention to what is first being described as as those who would be minders of the gap, I just want us to, to be sure we understand the significance of what it looks like to live lives minding the gap. So these priests, they are they, these are they who point to the separation and say, yes, I know there is a separation, but the separation may be thinner than you think. The threshold may be more able to be crossed than you can possibly imagine. They stand, really, priests do, the priestly stand between two spaces. They stand between what we think is secular and what we think is sacred. In fact, even the posture of the priests tells something about their vocation, both then and now. At times when priests pray, even pastors will pray, and if we're interceding, we'll we'll stand and we'll lift up a word of prayer, and our palms are facing upward. This comes from Vaikra. Because as you intercede on behalf of humankind, your palms face upward as if you're appealing to the God who is the maker of all humankind. But then there is a moment in the benediction when the palms face downward, outward, and the blessing is on behalf of God to people. So in many ways, the priest stands in spaces between spaces, between God and people, issuing a blessing to people and offering interception, intercession on behalf of people. In many ways, that's... That's the best way to think of your role as priest. Standing in the space for somebody. Reminding them that the space that they think separates them from God may be thinner than they think. So the Celtic Christians, our uh, sisters and brothers in the Celtic tradition, have, a, have passed on a, a word to us. They talk about Thin places. Do you know that? They talk about thin places. Do you know what a thin place is? It's a place on earth so beautiful that you almost don't know where earth stops and heaven begins. Places where maybe many of you have been. Thin places. Where it's hard to tell it's so beautiful. Am I on earth or am I in heaven? See, priests are those who recognize that all the world is filled with thin spaces. Do you know that your life is a thin space? Because I know what it seems like to feel as if you're on one side of this chasm, this inseparable space between you and the holy, but the priests then and the priestly now are they who remind us that the separation is sometimes so thin you can almost poke a hole in it and be in the presence of the divine. Can I, can I show you what a, what a priest looks like? A priest who's devoted to making sure that you who are on one side of the gap and who think you can't cross over, my job as priest is to ensure that you can. Can I show you what that looks like? It's an old video. It comes from way back in another, another era when America's Funniest Home Videos was a thing. But I want you to see, there's this young boy and he's trying to help his little sister. They've come on this sidewalk and she's too short to step across the space. I just want you to see what he does. Take a peek. 
She can't seem to manage it. Too scared. I can't cross this thing. Go, brother. What? <laughs> that, that is a priest. I could almost stop the sermon there and we go home. Stop. <laughs> almost, almost. So, a priest is one who recognizes, yep, there is a gap. Can't argue that. Yep, you're, you can't cross it. But I will ensure to devote my life to showing you that the gap can be crossed, that the separation is thinner than you think. This in Leviticus with these ancient priests is provocative for me. Because what they are doing in Leviticus is they, in their vocation, are leaning into the very thing that Jesus Christ did in full upon the cross. It was he who laid his life down upon the great chasm of the universe that you and I might have access to the one we thought we perhaps would never have access to. And I want you to hear what God does with the perception of separation from Romans chapter 8. Listen to these words. So, what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can, we, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us and who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen who would dare even point a finger the one who died for us who who was raised to life for us is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us do you think anyone is going to be able to drive <laughs> A wedge, a separation, an obstacle, a barrier, a gap between us and Christ's love for us. There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. My beloved sisters and brothers of the great gap, do you know that the separation you feel can be closed. In fact, <laughs> it has been closed. And the separation that you have allowed yourself to, to stay enslaved to is a lie. You are not separate from God. But because of the work of Christ, you have been brought close. Vaigra, come near. God has always wanted us near this is why i love what richard Rohr says about it he said look christ didn't come to change god's mind about human beings 
Christ came to change human beings' minds about God. This God, from the ancient of days, has been introduced as one who so wants us to draw near that God provides a pathway to draw near. Who among you has been the priestly to show you that there is a way to cross the gap? See, you are called to be priests in this world. But if you're going to be priests, if you and I are going to be priestly and show that there, yes, there can be a gap, but it can be crossed, so mind your step, mind the gap, then we have to know how to dress for the occasion. This moves us to the second movement of the sermon, dressing for the occasion. In this text, there is this elaborate description of the ordination that follows. And in it, we begin in chapter 8, verse 6, to read these words. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward and washed them with water. He put the tunic on Aaron, tied the sash around him, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. And also fastened the ephod with a decorative waistband, which he tied around him. He placed the breastplate on him and put the urim and the thummim in the breastplate. Then he placed the turban on Aaron's head and set the gold plate of the sacred emblem on the front of it as the Lord commanded Moses. In preparing the threshold keepers, in preparing the minders of the gap, the priests, they recognized that in order to approach the Holy One, you had to know how to dress for the occasion. And in the details, meticulous details of the, the outfit that the high priest had to wear, it's really a gorgeous description of the theology of the day. Remember the tabernacle is arranged, as we spoke several weeks ago, the tabernacle is arranged so that the closer you get to the Holy of Holy, the materials that are used to build the tabernacle, they increase with gradations of, of quality and expensiveness and, and uh, worth. So at the back end of the tabernacle is wood and the curtains are not very, uh, very expensive. But as you move closer to the sacred space, the materials move to higher quality fabric, to braided materials, to bronze, then to silver, then to gold, then to the hammered fine gold. In the same way, in the ancient mind, the closer you get to God, the more beautiful and holy it is. So if you're going to approach God according to the text, you must dress accordingly. What I find fascinating, what I find fascinating about this text, however, is if you pay attention to the materials that the, the priest is wearing, the, the materials, how should I say this? The, the inner garments, the priest's underwear, is one kind of quality. But every layer that you lay on the outside, from the inner tunic to the outer tunic, to the sash, to the robe, to the ephod, to the breastplate, to the, to the turban. With each new layer of clothing, the material increases in quality, both quality of material and quality of construction, different braiding techniques and so on. So that the priest will reflect the gradations of holiness because the belief is, I am nothing but secular and I must dress myself up to approach that which is holy. Wow, it's beautiful. 
The truth is you and I have to dress when we approach the holy, but we have to do the opposite. Do you realize that Christ came and Paul proclaimed that in you is a treasure in a clay jar? That to approach the holy, you are the tabernacle, you are the tent, you are the temple of God, which means that the holy presence, the divine sacred, is in you. So for you to actually wake up to the the nearness of God in you, it doesn't require putting on clothing. It actually requires the shedding of all the garments that we've used to dress our lives up. There must be a shedding of persona. There must be a removal of this of the turban of arrogance. There must be a removal of, of the robe of, of ego. We've got to take off the, the, the tunic of, of pride until we approach that space in you where the Holy One is waiting for you to show up. And as we approach the Holy One, we are bare. We are spiritually naked before the one who made us as we are. And it is only when we are able to strip off persona and strip off the dressing up that this world teaches us that we are qualified to be clothed with Christ. This is what Colossians means when we read these words. And God's, as God's holy chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with what? With compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything, everything together in perfect harmony. What am I trying to say? I'm, I'm saying that, yeah, you got to dress the part when you approach the holy, but for you, I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to, trying to priest you for just a moment. I'm trying to tell you, for you to dress appropriately in the company of the Lord is to strip off all pretension and to humbly approach the one who already knows who you are. And then in vulnerability before the Lord with no pretense, you are then able to be clothed with the robe of Christ. And then you can priest the world. You say, I can't. You're talking about something that is beyond me. I'm not at that space, Sean. I can't, I'm not at the place where I could be a part of a thing where I preach the world, where I have some responsibility in this. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. Well, I'm glad you said so because that leads us to the last movement of the sermon, the priesthood of the least likely. Do you know who the first high priest was? Aaron, the brother of Moses. Do you remember Aaron. Aaron is the one responsible for the whole golden calf debacle. I mean, just a couple of months ago, it was Aaron who who led the charge to fashion a false god and worship this golden calf. And now Aaron is the most qualified to be the high priest on behalf of people. Well, if he can do it, I think there's hope for all of us. All of us, if we strip bear the heart and the mind and we come before the one who has closed the gap then we can be clothed with humility compassion meekness we can be clothed with Christ the high priest and then be qualified to live in this world in such a way as to share our story this is this is how i crossed the gap 
I didn't think it was possible, but a hand reached out to me, and it was the hand of the nail-scarred, the crucified, who walked me across the space I thought I couldn't cross on my own. This is why in Baptist theology we refer to it as the priesthood of all believers. We have the audacity to believe in the priesthood of all believers. That means if Christ really is at the center of you, if Christ really is abiding like a treasure in clay jars, then you don't need a pastor, a priest, a king to approach God. You've been invited. Can you hear the whisper of Lycra in your own heart? We are a priesthood of any who would believe. So we get to this place where they have this elaborate, uh, amazing ordination. And there's washing, there's oil, there's, a, there's a, a peace meal. I am sure there's some fried chicken and potato salad somewhere in there. And they get to this point where they're anointing them in order to pull off this job. And they get to this space in verse 23. Listen to these words. Moses slaughtered the ram and took some of its blood and, and put it on the lobe. Watch this. This is the weirdest part of the whole chapter. And you thought we already saw weird. Moses slaughtered the ram, took some of his blood, and put it on the lobe of Aaron's right ear. And put some of the blood on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Moses also brought Aaron's sons forward and put some of the blood on the lobes of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and the big toes of their right feet. What in the, what in the world is going on? What in the name of Vayikra is going on here? The beauty is that this ordination ceremony, this getting ready to become the minders of the gap, means that there is a purification going on. Remember, we've already said that blood in the ancient mind had an absorbing kind of quality. It absorbed the toxin of sin, right? It cleansed the thing that it touched. So how beautiful is it that part of being called to be the minders of the gap, part of the calling was to put blood on the lobe of the ear, Lord, purify what I hear so that all I hear is your call. I purify what I hear so that I can hear the cries of the vulnerable who are on one side of the gap and they assume they must stay there, hear their cry. Make me hear their cry. And put the blood on the lobes or the right thumbs of the right hand, Lord, so that you purify all I do, so that all of my work is an attempt to reach over and grab those who may have thought there was no hope. Bless my hands so that I may bless on your behalf and petition on their behalf. And blood on the big toe of the right foot, that's my favorite part of all. The big toe, where you didn't think your Bible had any mention of the big toe. I'm looking for a pinky toe, but that may be the book of Numbers, I don't know. Purify every place I go. Purify me so that in wherever I walk, I am walking in search of the gap so that I can proclaim the good news that is thinner than they think. So you, you say to yourself, well, that sounds great, but I, don't, I can't give my life to a priestly kind of way of life because I've, I've been where I've been and I've done what I've done. Well, and maybe, maybe you say to yourself, I don't have the words. I don't have the words to do what you're talking about, being the good news in the world. Well, I don't know about that. 
Earlier this week, we celebrated our annual William Self Lecture Series at McAfee School of Theology. And the guest preacher for Monday and Tuesday was one of my favorite preachers uh, of all, Barbara Brown Taylor. Uh, I've had a homiletical crush on her for years. She is some preacher. And she spoke that day about the power of our words. You know what she said? She said, you are a word about the word before you say a word. You, your story, your lived experience, you are a word about the word before you say a word. And then she told us about a student in her class, about a student who she said was larger than life in every way imaginable. Big personality, big hair, everything. And, and she, she wore sometimes these sultry kind of outfits and low-cut fronts to class. She wore it one day, and, and Barbara Brown Taylor noticed that she had a, a tattoo uh, right about here. And it was low-cut, so you can see what it said. It was just one word, the word and. She said it was just and, A-N-D, courier font, <laughs> all lowercase. And she thought, and what? She said, is there more beneath that I can't see? Turns out there wasn't. She was part of what's called the Living Novel Project. And she told her teacher that there is an author who wrote this novel and then he put the challenge out to all of his readers. If any is willing to have one of my words from this novel tattooed on your body, then when we have the whole novel tattooed, we'll all get together and we'll arrange ourselves in such a way that the novel can be read from our bodies. Now, you got to stop your imagination at some point. But imagine that for just a moment. Because somewhere, some author is taking great delight that all over the world, there are human beings just doing life, going to the grocery store, shopping, going to the ball field, watching the game, going to church. And they're walking around with his words embodied on them. With the hope that it's all moving toward a day when all of our distinct words are put together in one great novel. And I just, that's what priests do. We embody the word that is a good word. You're embodying the word about the word before you even say a word. And my question to you is what is it that is imprinted upon your heart what word will you allow God to imprint upon your heart today and maybe today for the very first time you yield your life to allow God to do just that to be a part of God's great scheme of bringing everybody over the gap let's bow in a word of prayer God, we stop for just a moment to recognize that we've all been welcomed over the gap, that, that you, the great high priest of the ages, has made a way, you, you have made a way to mind the great and cosmic gap for all of us. You have welcomed us into your holy presence, your nearness, and today there may be somebody here, Lord, who has feared that that good news is for somebody else. 
And our prayer right now is that you would show someone that they are welcome in your company. That their yielded life is all it takes. Move among us even now, Lord, as we bridge the space, as we cover this this chasm, as we mind the gap with one another, as we priest one another toward you. In the name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.